are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Lidor Dayan. You know, the Jewish guy with the incredible sexy accent. <laughs> so now in today's episode, I had a chance to speak with Dory Clark. For those of you that don't know who Dory is, let me tell you a quick brief background about her. So Dory Clark is a marketing strategy consultant, professional speaker, and the author of Entrepreneurial You, Reinventing You and Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book of 2015 by INC. So for sure, you are going to learn a lot from this amazing person. So please keep your level of intentions really high. So let's get into a peak state for a moment. Come on. Yes, that's it. Get into that freaking peak state. Good. <clears throat> so now, without further ado, let's begin the interview. So, hello, Dory. Thank you very, very much for uh, taking the time being on the Mind Body podcast. I'm really honored to have you here. Thank you, Lidor. Great to, great to talk with you. Great. So, uh, for those people that might not really know who Dory Clark is, uh, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, I am an author about, uh, of business and career books. My most recent is called Entrepreneurial You, and uh, I teach part-time for the Fuqua School of Business at Duke. I help people uh, get, get better known and, uh, as, as talented professionals. We live in such a crowded, noisy world now. It is really hard to break through and get your true talents recognized. And so my books, Reinventing You, Stand Out, and Entrepreneurial You, help individual professionals find ways to develop their brand, get known for their expertise, and ultimately make a, a great living from being able to do it. Before we, we go into deep uh, about all the books and everything, I really want to take you a little bit back then when you just started. Uh, and uh, what was maybe a trigger point for you or what really made the shift in your life that uh, made you the person that you are today? Well, one of the, one of the earliest uh, sort, of, sort of triggers for me to go on a different path was I started my career as a newspaper journalist, and I thought that that was the, the path that I was going to pursue, but after doing it for only about a year, it was my first job after I finished graduate school, I ultimately got laid off suddenly from my job, and I couldn't find another job as a, as a reporter. It was kind of the, the start of the decline of the newspaper industry. And so I was really forced to reinvent myself and, and to start thinking about careers differently. Um, now, you know, years later, I've, uh, I've, spent, uh, I've spent over a decade building my consulting business and doing a lot of research into the nature of modern life and modern careers and how people can build, uh, build something that enables them to, to thrive in the modern economy, which is so prone to disruption these days. And looking back then, like, do you think this is one of the best things that ever happened to you? 
the sense that, you know, it's, it's always terribly traumatic at the time. I mean, I certainly, you know, wasn't like, oh, please lay me off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you are in something that turns out to be a declining industry, it's actually, it's actually good to get out sooner rather than later. Because for people who have stayed in journalism, unfortunately, there has just been an endless barrage of layoffs and cuts. And it becomes, it becomes very challenging when you're operating in a declining environment rather than a growth environment. Um, there's, just, there's less opportunity. People are just fighting over their fiefdoms, that kind of thing. And you know, meanwhile, as an entrepreneur, I was able to kind of create my own reality. And uh, if, if the pie needed to be bigger, I would expand the pie rather than what I think probably would have been the case as a journalist, which is that I would have been left fighting with other people over scraps. And was that your biggest challenge in life? Or you had... I, I don't, I'm not sure it was my biggest challenge. I mean, it, it, was, it was certainly challenging. Probably the bigger one, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer that your work life and your professional life is... Uh, is inseparable they certainly feed into each other a lot and so I had a lot of tra- challenges and trouble uh, especially in 2013 which it turned out was a very good year for me professionally that was the year my first book reinventing you was released but personally it was a big challenge I um, my, my cat died who I was very very close to I had had him for 16 years and so I was very sad about that and a, a long-term relationship also ended uh, so there was a lot of loss in that year and I, I think back on that as being probably the hardest thing that I've had to overcome. Do you think like many, many entrepreneurs around the world, uh, because we, we all have uh, a lot of tools in these days that we all can use, but do you think maybe it's a fear of success that uh, many people is, uh, have the fear of, of, if I succeed, what's going to happen? How, what will I do? Like, uh, uh, can I actually manage all of this? Uh, maybe, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of pressure. So... What do you think is preventing a lot of people from succeeding in, in what they want? You know, I think it's an interesting question. I, I, I think that there are probably certain cases where people are afraid of success. I mean, for instance, I've heard of instances where people, for instance, have grown up in impoverished backgrounds and there is a, a kind of sub, subterranean concern that if they become really successful, that they would lose their connection with their family or with their community because it would put them at a, at a pretty great distance uh, from them. But I have to, I have to say, uh, I think that the fear of failure probably looms a lot larger uh, than the fear of success. Mm-hmm. As you hear, you hear sometimes, you know, I, I forget who said it, it was Marianne Williamson or something, that, you know, that, you know, it's not that we're afraid of failure, it's that we're afraid that we might be a far bigger success than we ever dreamed possible. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good thought, that's a nice thought exercise, but I actually don't think it's true. I think more people are afraid that they're going to fail. Yes, but, but we're all like, there are saying like, if you're going to dream something, then you got to dream big, right? But uh, sometimes when you dream too big and you're starting just here, like if you're at the first step and you're trying to get to the 20 step, you will fall down on your nose. So how can you actually know, okay, if I'm right here and I want to get here, so maybe I need to take it step by step and like I, I have a big vision but do I need to start dream smaller and from that move on yeah that's that's an important question I don't think it's about dreaming smaller I think that it's about having 
having a better roadmap, right? Mm -hmm. I think the problem is that if you're trying to get from here to here and it's, and it's really far, uh, it gets blurry. Like, okay, what do I, you know, how do I even do that? And if you don't know what steps to take, then you probably don't take any action and then it just seems to get further away. Um, what I'm a big fan of, I actually wrote about this in an article uh, that I did uh, a couple years back for Harvard Business Review called A Campaign Plan for Your Career. Um, there's a strategy that I learned about from somebody that I actually profiled in my newest book, Entrepreneurial You, a guy named Lenny Chan, who had become very, very successful at his job. And when I asked him why, you know, how, how did he become so successful? He said, oh, well, I just, I just pre-wrote my resume. And I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean you pre-wrote your resume? And it turns out that what he did, I never heard anyone suggest this as an exercise before, but I thought this was so clever. He would write a resume. He would just sit down, he'd put it in his calendar and do it. But, but every year he would sit down and he would write a resume for himself. But instead of it being like the current resume, he would write a resume for five years in the future. So if you're, if you're in 2017, you'd be writing a resume for 2022. And in it, he would, just, he would just imagine where he wanted to be. And he would write a resume exactly like the job that he hoped to have. And he would write down his title, he would write down his duties, you know, all the things. But this wasn't just a kind of wish fulfillment, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if I had this? It was a helpful exercise because what he was forced to do was to think about, okay, if I want to get this job in five years, what job do I need to get in three years? What job do I need to get next year in order to get there? And so it, it helped him illuminate what the skills gaps were, who he needed to meet, it, you know, basically a very clear action plan about what you do between now and five years from now. You work backwards to put yourself in the position that you would have the skills and you'd have the contacts so that you realistically could be hired for that dream job. Do you think but five years it's not too much time like in today's world because in today's world it's like having a one year or two years goal it's like <laughs> too much because like if five years I, I, we can know because everything is changing so quickly in this world. Yeah, I think, I think that in many ways it's unlikely that you would exactly have the job that you predict you're going to have in five years but I think that it is still a useful exercise because it forces you to think about long-term goals and it puts you in the direction where you want to go. Mm -hmm. You know, the exact job might change, but if you know, hey, I want to be someone that gets more in the data analytics realm, or hey, I know that I, I really want to be a professional speaker, you know, something like that, it, it starts you down the path of getting better at those things, which creates more optionality moving forward. And a, a lot of people like, uh, I, I really like uh, Tony Robbins and uh, he said that uh, there is actually four steps for success. You got to know what you want, you're going to know why you want it and uh, you got to have a good sensory acuity about what's working and what's not. And my question for you is how do you develop a good sense to know uh, when you need to change your approach uh, or keep doing with the same and be patient? Because sometimes you can yeah. do a lot, a lot, a lot, and you can say to yourself, okay, uh, I just need to be patient and plant the seeds because eventually it's gonna make uh, something good. Or you can keep doing the same and it's not working. So how do you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's important to focus on that, so I'm glad that you bring it up. I actually tell a story in Entrepreneurial You about a, a woman named Stephanie O'Connell. And the reason that I profiled her was I felt like she did this very well, something, something that a lot of people struggle with, which is really 
celebrating the small wins along the, the path because it does get very demoralizing when you're here and you're trying to get some distance down the road and it just it, it always takes longer than you think it's always harder it's always longer and so part way through you're not really seeing much progress at all and you think oh man this isn't working i should just give this up this is a waste of time and so the real question at that point is okay is it not working period or is it not working yet and all you need to do is keep persisting and it's very, very hard to tell the difference when you're in the middle of it. What Stephanie did that I really like is that she looked for what I call intermediate metrics. Um, you might not have, you know, demonstrable success. You might, you know, you might not like be selling a million copies of your book or being on Oprah or whatever. But for Stephanie, she looked at things like, okay, I've been blogging for free for a really long time, and suddenly someone is offering me a chance to to have a paid blog post. Now, it's not like you're gonna get rich from it. Her first, her first time someone offered her money to, to blog for them, it was $25, you know, not a lot of money at all. But for her, it was extremely significant because it showed that someone thought that her work was worth paying for. And that was a clue to her that she was moving in the right direction and that if she persisted, more good things would come. Do you think like small wins can come from other sources and not just the money? Because many of us think it's like, uh, okay, I will celebrate only when I make more money. So it can come from other stuff like uh, I'm developing myself, I, I have more patience or stuff like that. Absolutely. And in fact, one of the other metrics that Stephanie talked about with me was the, fact, the first time that, that an influencer that she admired retweeted one of her posts and you know again it's a small thing a lot of people would just let that slide by but for her it showed that she she knew it was evidence that she was doing high quality work because this this influencer wouldn't have shared it if they didn't think it was good and the fact that she was doing work that won the respect of her peers and the people she admired was extremely meaningful to her that's the kind of thing that we can focus on as well I think in, we are trying, like in today's world and all social media and everything, that we all are wild to think that uh, our uh, happiness is, comes only in the future when we have this, 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 this and this. And it's so hard to rewire your mind to, to actually become happy now instead of just pursuing something in the future. And I can tell for myself, I always try it and somehow I always get caught up and still like, ah, but I don't have this. I don't have this yet. So how can I be happy? So I think it's a daily practice we all need to do. And it starts with a decision. A decision that we, life is too short. And if we really want to, to live life to the fullest, then we gotta understand that problems are gonna happen in our life, no matter what, in every area. And even if I make the million dollar or make the 10 million, so have uh, all of this success, problems are still gonna be there. So uh, this is why I study successful people because successful people are not uh, different than any other people. They all have problems, they all have the fears, they all have everything, it just, they, discipline themselves and they always move forward they always see the next step yes yeah i think that's exactly right and another question i have for you is how do you find your x factor because in today's world if you are not you don't have something special in you then you're just another one so and in today's world like uh, i i heard uh, ty lopez recently said that uh, 
uh, our uh, if we look at a video or something we have just five seconds until we like reach to something else and uh, we are like have a, some kind of uh, 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 a goldfish. A goldfish have six seconds. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so it's funny. So how do you find your X factor? I think that a lot of times people beat themselves up because they don't know it initially. And I, I'm actually a fan of if, if you, I mean, you know, perhaps some people just in, inherently know it. But if you don't, I actually think that you have to recognize that it's a process and it takes it takes time to do it. And so I, I like to think of it instead of a top-down thing, like, oh, my X factor is gonna be, X, you know, it's gonna be this, it's gonna be that. It, and, and sometimes you're just kind of grasping at straws to figure it out. Instead, think about it as a bottom-up phenomenon. Move in the direction of something that you're interested in. Do do the things that, that you love and explore the things you're interested in. That means blog about lots of topics at first, uh, you know, give a lot of speeches and just just try out different ideas until you actually see what it is that you're particularly good at and what the market is responding to. And treat everything early on like a pilot and where you see momentum and where you feel passion, that is where over time you can begin to say, ah, this is the thing that it turns out I do really well. This is the thing it turns out people are interested in and you can move in that direction much more uh, much more efficiently and effectively rather than just trying to predict it and guess it at the outset. And I want to take you uh, to your books. You have Reinvest in You, Stand Out and Entrepreneurial You. And I, I believe that maybe at some point you had some uh, points that uh, maybe you've been procrastinated sometime. And how did you overcome procrastination and discipline yourself that if you say, okay, now it's an hour that I'm going to write or five hours and you actually discipline yourself without any distraction? So when it comes to procrastination, I mean, you know, like, like everybody else, I, I fall victim sometimes. The secret that I have discovered, the best tip that I have for fighting procrastination is that I try to procrastinate in productive ways, meaning... Um, it's inevitable that you want to you want to procrastinate because it, it's it's like your brain is rebelling. You're you're sitting there like, oh, I have to do this thing, and your brain's like, I do not want to do this thing. And so you have a couple of choices. You know, one is you force yourself to do it, which sometimes works. Sometimes you can muster it, but sometimes you can't. And so one possibility is to just be totally irresponsible and be like, okay, fine. I might as well watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> but, but then the other choice, which I try to do, is I try to think of something else that I need to do, and I do that instead. And it feels more fun to me than the thing that I have to do, and you know, because I'm not, I don't have a gun to my head about it at that moment. And so it's at least productive procrastination because it has to happen eventually. You know, maybe it's writing a different blog post, or maybe it's doing some errand or something like that. It has to happen eventually. Certainly doesn't need to be now, but okay, if I need to procrastinate, that's, that's a much better choice than something that's a complete waste of time. Uh, can you give me an example of something that you've been procrastinating to do and you say like, okay, I will do this instead? Sure, yeah. I mean, all, all the time, you know, I keep, uh, I keep a, a to-do list uh, that, you know, sort of looks, looks like a ransom note. And uh, anyway, there's, there's things on here that honestly are just not 
fun for me. And so sometimes I have to, I have to have a real deadline to force me to do it. Um, but for instance, part of it might be something along the lines of having to gather my bank statements so that I, um, so that I have a, uh, you know, get it to my, to my bookkeeper, you know, totally mind numbing, totally not fun. And I will procrastinate on that as, uh, uh, as I'll find something else that, that needs to happen that just seems a little bit more fun. So maybe, you know, to give you a, a recent example, um, oh, this, this didn't have to happen, it wasn't urgent, but I've been wanting to create a speaker video. And so uh, instead of, of doing all the bookkeeping stuff, I went through and made a list of all the clips that the videographer could use uh, when it came to the, uh, the speaker video and got that ready and sent it off to him. So that's one example. Mm -hmm. Um, what's, what's the most common mistake you see business either small to big usually do and uh, how do you shift it? Yeah, so when it comes to uh, mistakes that, that business leaders make, uh, sorry, just shifting over here a little bit, um, I think that the, the most common ones are about... Uh, about areas where they, they get, they're getting too complacent and they're not proactively steering their career development. Um, I hear this all the time, I, I speak a lot. Uh, um, I gave 74 talks in, uh, in 2015, that was, that was my high water mark, but wow. I give probably an average of 40 or 50 a year. And so I, I deal with a lot of corporations And one of the things that they come to me about again and again, they want me to give a speech relating to this, is the imperative that they need to encourage their employees to really see them, themselves as agents in shaping their careers. And this is true for frontline employees. It's also true for managers and, and leaders that oftentimes there still is a little bit of an attitude that the company is going to just steer them along. That if, if they're performing well, that things will happen, that they will proceed a pace, and that opportunities will present themselves. But of course, as things have gotten more competitive, as things have gotten more globalized, uh, as uh, the, there, there's been a rise of businesses that, that can operate on a large global scale with, with relatively small numbers of employees, you know, the, we look at, at Facebook, for instance, as compared to the General Motors in days of yore, um, the equation has changed and the opportunity just doesn't happen to you. You need to find a way to articulate the path that you want and then come up with a proactive strategy to do it. And so I, I think really the, the most important strategy is proactivity. I think like uh, as a... Uh... A starter as a business and uh, my biggest uh, mistake was I really didn't know exactly who my audience my target is and I, I think this is a mistake that many people do they just like put out there and they don't really like try to target okay who am I really targeting after uh, male females uh, what's the really interest and the more you understand it uh, I think it's easier to get To your uh, audience, don't you think? I, I do. I think I think that's really true. Identify, identifying your target audience and identifying your value proposition are two two of the foundational principles that you need in order to really be able to be successful. And how do you define your targeting audience? For example, like to really know them 
and not just generally, like specifically. Yeah, well, one of, one of the strategies that a lot of people employ is uh, is having avatars for their customers. Uh, so, so meaning they create uh, this sort of sample person, as it were. Uh, I, I even have, have friends who uh, will, will give their their sort of average uh, average target audience person uh, a name. They'll write a bio for them. They'll really try to get inside their head and understand what it is that, that motivates them. And by doing that, you can you can essentially say, oh, well, you know, would, would John like this or would Becky like that? And it gives you a frame through which to, to evaluate your positioning and your offerings in the marketplace. So that's certainly one way of doing it. Um, I think, you know, for, for me personally, uh, and, and I think this, this does happen for people who have multiple income streams, the buyers of different products of yours will be different. So for instance, I have uh, a typical customer that might hire me for a keynote talk, which is different than the kind of person who might join my recognized expert online course. And so it's useful to understand those nuances in the marketing as well. Mm -hmm. I forgot to tell you, I need to congratulate you because you oh, just, you, you broke the record of 31 interviews that I just interviewed men. <laughs> Yeah, so you are the, the first female here in the podcast, which is amazing because I tried to reach many, many and everybody was like, you know, like I'm too busy, too busy, too busy. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to help and thank you for asking. Okay, uh, another topic I want to talk with you is, uh, are you today, do you feel that you're fulfilled? look uh, like maybe 10-15 years uh, ago to compare to now and I would ask you this question of what has to happen for you to feel successful so if I asked you 15 years ago or today what would you answer me you you really feel you know if you if you've chosen well 
that you are you are doing incredibly meaningful work that you are that you are fighting every day in your small way for the vision of society that you want. Um, so I felt I felt from a meaning perspective very fulfilled, but it was uh, it was not that well compensated, and it was also exceptionally difficult work. Uh, having a staff job in politics is really trying. They they expect a huge amount out of people, and they do not have any compunctions about burning people out because the campaigns are short and they figure, who cares? Let's just work everybody as hard as we possibly can up until election day. So it's a little bit of a toxic culture. And so I enjoyed it a lot, but I also knew it was not going to be sustainable for me over the long term. But uh, I, I asked about like, do you feel that you are, what has to happen for you to feel successful today? Or if we look like back then, what did you think has to happen for you to feel successful? So I think that from a, from a professional point of view, I think, I think in a lot of ways I've, uh, I feel like I've, I've done it in the sense that I wanted, I wanted to have a career that enabled me to have a, a big impact, uh, to, reach, to reach people and to have, to have freedom, personal freedom and helping other people at scale. And I wasn't sure in 2002 what form that would take. I thought it was through politics. I, you know, I was hoping that my candidates would win and that maybe I would get a high-ranking government job and be able to help people through affecting policy. Uh, that did not happen. My candidates lost. But, um, but today I feel very lucky with the work that I'm able to do because It is very flexible and autonomous and enables me, I think, to, to tap what I feel like are some of my greatest strengths in terms of, you know, speaking and writing and connecting with people. Um, and uh, and I certainly would, would like to keep rising up. I certainly like to keep reaching more people. Um, but I, I, feel, I feel very fortunate about where I am right now. I think the beauty in life is like sometimes not achieving what our goals or our dreams make it even better in the future and make us become so much more and so much better, don't you think? Yeah. And uh, another last question I want to ask before we uh, end this interview is what kind of legacy would you like to live long after you won't be here in this world? I think in a lot of ways, I think about my, my books as, as a a kind of initial, an initial legacy offering. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully over the years I will uh, contribute other things. But for me, I, they really form a trilogy. Um, reinventing You is about how to reinvent yourself into the job or career that you want. Uh, Stand Out is about how to become a recognized expert in that field and get your true talents recognized. And Entrepreneurial You is about how to develop multiple income streams and really build a thriving, financially successful career for yourself. And part of the reason why this is meaningful to me is that, you know, work these days is really the, 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 the locus of meaning for so many people. I mean, we, we obviously spend, you know, close to a third of our lives doing it. And it is the place in modern society where so many people, uh, you know, when, when they say, you know, who are you? It, it comes back to what do you do? What is, what is your job? It's the place where people define and enact their, their identity and what matters to them in the world, um, if, if it's done right. 
And so being able to move the lever to help people find something that they're, that they're spending most of their waking hours doing and to, to help them reach something that they feel like is more in tune with what they care about, with what they're passionate about, with where they can make their biggest contribution is something that, that feels really good to me. Yes, that's really awesome. Would we see more books in the future? Probably, although I, I have decided to take 2018 as my uh, book sabbatical year. I'll be doing lots of other things, uh, but I'm not writing a book. Uh, <laughs> not it's actually my, my first year in six years that I'm not either writing a book or marketing a book. Uh, so I'm looking forward to a little time off to refresh. Yeah, it's probably really like a process huh? to, to write a book, to make it published out. Uh, do you think... Uh, any entrepreneur needs to have a book? I don't think people need to have a book. Like, I, don't, I don't think it's like one of those things like people should feel bad if they don't. Um, but I, I do think that it can be valuable. I mean, certainly for me, in terms of developing my paid speaking career, having a book was, was very, very helpful for that. Um, conference organizers often still look at you having a book as kind of a prerequisite for, uh, for doing that. And... Um, I, I do think that, that for most professionals, if you, have, if you have been thoughtful about your work over time, you probably have developed unique insights. And so developing and codifying them, uh, I, I, think, I think can be useful. I, I would never say everybody should do it, but, uh, but if, if, if folks are interested, it can be a very transformative process. Do you read a lot of books? I read a ton of books, yes. Um, I... I made a conscious effort last year to read more, and so I read 40 books last year. Um, I am probably a little less this year, but maybe maybe 30-ish. So I would I would say you know at, at least at least every couple of weeks, at least every you know 10 days or so, I'm I'm reading a book. What uh, kind of I, I books? Very... Uh, what kind of books do you read, or would you recommend to others? I I read mostly. Nonfiction, although I do really like detective novels and thrillers, so I, uh, I like those for fun. Uh, my favorite book of the of the year, uh, which I thought was just interesting and compelling and historically interesting, was a book by my friend David Jayer called *The Witch of Lime Street*, and it is a true story, nonfiction, very meticulously researched about a showdown between Harry Houdini and a Beacon Hill uh, socialite. In I think the 1920s, uh, she claimed to be a spiritual medium. He thought she was a fraud and set out to prove it. And so it was a real uh, battle of the wits, which was mm. uh, which was pretty fantastic. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I think bi uh, biographies and uh, reading books uh, from the past uh, can really show us uh, like about what others uh, did as well and how they overcome maybe challenges, problems they have, uh, especially like I, myself, I'm Jewish. So if you ever uh, read about Holocaust and stuff like that and how much challenges uh, all these Jewish went through and still managed to overcome it and it's amazing. So uh, reflecting that and looking at that and looking at our life today, we, can say, we can't say like, oh my God, I have a problem because we can't compare anything to those kind of stuff, right? So it's all a matter of, of perspective, ever better perspective. And no matter who listening to this or whatever uh, your 
you have in your life or whatever challenge or problem you have always have better perspective and know that anybody else have even even worse than than you and then if you have a good perspective you can always overcome it so i really really want to thank you and uh, of course where can we find you thank you lidor it's great speaking with you and for folks who want to dive in a little bit more um, on my website doryclark.com it's d-o-r-i-e-c-l-a-r-k.com i have more than 500 free articles that i've written for places like forbes and the harvard business review uh so if, if folks are interested in checking that out that's the best place also i have a free uh a free resource um it's called the 88 question entrepreneurial you self-assessment and uh if anyone is interested specifically in the question about how to develop multiple income streams in their own business uh they can download that for free it walks them through that process about how to think of it applied to your own life and they can get it at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur that's great thank you very much thank you take care if you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the mind body podcast feel free to subscribe to my podcast at itunes spotify soundcloud and at my youtube channel also Feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the fast factor. The fast factor stands for 1. Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the mind body podcast community number two act don't just be a passive listener act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview three subscribe don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify soundcloud or if you're visual like me then just search the mind body podcast on youtube and number four train others because just like i always says leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together and by training others you're training yourself so this is the fast factor remember it facebook act subscribe and train others oh and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your vac senses And the back senses stands for visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking, and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.